been a long time, hasn't it? So today I'm going to be talking about four brand new movies that I saw that came out in theaters and also streaming services. This podcast is not going to feature any really big name ones besides the new Saw movie, and it's going to be a solo podcast. Yes, my next collaboration podcast is going to be for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead and also A Quiet Place Part 2, but I gotta wait till my collaborator and I also have seen both those movies, and I don't think that one is slated to come out until the first week of June, but I could be wrong. But anyways guys, just if you want to listen to that one, and click off this one because honestly my solo ones kind of suck i don't blame you but anyways without further ado today we're just going to get into these four movies they include of course the wrath of man saw spiral the woman in the window and those who wish me dead these movies aren't particularly great and we're just going to kind of talk about why they aren't very quickly and then move on with my day and so that way i can be proud of myself for getting a podcast up in may because I was honestly not sure I was going to get one, and I know that a lot of people said they would do a Mitchells vs. the Machines one with me if I would just sit down and watch the movie, but honestly, I don't have the energy to sit down and watch an animated movie right now. Hopefully I will down the road, but uh, just right now I'm not feeling Mitchells vs. the Machines. That could change, but let's get into the movies today, shall we? So let's start with The Wrath of Man, which is the brand new Guy Ritchie movie. So if you guys don't know who Guy Ritchie is, I would say movies that you maybe have heard of him directing are like Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Barrels, the Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr., the Aladdin remake, and The Gentleman, which came out last year before Corona. If you've heard of these movies, then you probably have a little vagueness idea of who Guy Ritchie is. I think he also made that King Arthur Legend of the Sword movie. Some people might know what that is. I might be the only one that knows what that is. If you heard of any of those movies, you've seen a Guy Ritchie movie. But I don't think Guy Ritchie is a particularly great director. Honestly, I think he's more mediocre to bad with the movies he makes. I think it mostly has to do with the fact that Guy Ritchie is less and less making movies that are stylistically his, and more or less making movies that are kind of just him complaining about nobody appreciating his art anymore. Like, if you saw The Gentleman last year, it was just a movie where he basically complained that modern productions are nothing like they were anymore, and superheroes dominate the market, and it just kind of felt like he was sitting up on his pedestal with these characters talking about the old way Hollywood thrillers should be made and action movies and I just really wasn't vibing with it that's why I thought it was a very forgettable to mediocre movie now one thing that I got to say about this movie is it kind of feels like the least stylistic Guy Ritchie movie it kind of felt like after the gentleman flopped and not a lot of people really liked it he wanted to make a movie that would appeal to even the most mainstream of moviegoers which is why he casted somebody like Jason Statham who's a big action star guy and Mark it as this big action-packed thriller. One thing that I gotta say in particular that works for this movie is that Jason Statham as a actor and character in this movie just really does a good job playing a stone-cold badass. Since Liam Neeson is kind of on his way out as the big badass stone-cold action star, it kind of feels like it would make sense for Jason Statham to step in and start making these kinds of movies, and honestly I think that he does a really good job in this movie playing the mysterious character of H. Because if there's one thing about this movie that I thought was well done, I thought the characters were at least decently well written outside of a few others. One thing that I think is really well done with H is that you understand his motivations for becoming a security driver for the Brinks truck company. Basically, he's doing this out of an act of vengeance of trying to figure out who murdered his son many years ago. And the reason that he takes on the job is he hopes that one day he'll run into the group that's trying to hit the trucks for the big heist. I also think in particular, it's great that after Jason Statham loses his son, all of his 
his emotion drains out of his body. I think that just kind of shows the limited range that Jason Statham has that most people would just assess with him. Because honestly, I think that he does have a lot of range. It's just every role that he's in, he plays the stone cold badass. I also think one thing he does well in the movie is he never lets up a piece of his character or personality through emotional acting. I think how he portrays his character is through his actions, which I think was a really great choice for his character, because I'm not sure if emotional acting really would have worked as well for his character. One thing, too, that I thought was really well done is that this movie feels like it is shot pretty competently. I think one thing Guy Ritchie always does well with his movies is that he makes the cinematography look well. There are a lot of behind-the-head POV shots of people that are shooting each other, scenes where the camera is following characters down a hallway and not just quick cutting back and forth in a conversation. The camera will sit on serious moments like legit. This movie has some great cinematography and that's one thing Guy Ritchie really does well. I also think the action is pretty well choreographed. If there's one thing I have to give Guy Ritchie credit for, he at least knows how to choreograph action scenes. Some of them feel John Wick-esque and then sometimes it'll fall to the very generic quick cut action sequences where we cut to people shooting at each other 50 times in a row and you can't really tell what's going on or who just got shot. I also think one thing in particular that this movie kind of does well is it feels kind of like a haunting premise. Like, this feels a lot darker than most Guy Ritchie movies, and you just kind of feel like there's a chilling, overarching threat throughout the entire movie, and it mostly comes in Jason Statham's performance. So I think that the movie really carries that haunting feeling of it, even through the title cards in the movie. And honestly, I gotta say, those elements of the movie are really well done, but I gotta get into my complaints here a little bit, because Guy Ritchie likes to do one thing that Quentin Tarantino does, and that's tell his stories out of order. Now, while I don't hate movies that tell their stories out of order, honestly, this one kind of doesn't need the out-of-order storytelling. Like, the movie starts off with Jason Statham working for the uh, the Brinks company, then halfway through the movie it cuts through the plotline with him and his son and him working for this big company as the head boss and eliminating people to figure out who took his son. Then we cut to the antagonists in the third act of the movie and learn all their motivations and learn they're the ones that killed Jason Statham's son. And then the movie movie goes full circle to the big climactic finale. Yeah, basically it's kind of a mess all over the place. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense with the way that it's structured, and honestly it kind of feels like it undercuts a lot of moments. I think the biggest flaw with this movie is that it doesn't flesh out its antagonist well at all in this movie. Like, the burn notice guy, I get it, he's making the money for his family, and honestly it kind of feels like his character was straight up ripped off from the robbers in Heat and also Den of Thieves, which another big complaint I'm going to give this movie is that it reminded me of Heat, which is an action movie that came out with Al Pacino in, I believe, the early 2000s, maybe 90s if I'm thinking right, and also Den of Thieves, which was with Gerard Butler and O'Shea Jackson, which came out in 2017. Both those movies center around, guess what, a cop or infiltrator that is working for a company that is trying to stop a gang of robbers from robbing one of the biggest uh, security banks in the nation and trying to ensure they don't get away with the money, but guess what, spoiler alert, in each of those movies, the ending is that there is always some way that the bad guys get away with it, but this one subverts it because Guy Ritchie didn't want audiences to get upset by showing that Jason Statham survived his wounds, killed the bad guys, and obviously saves the day. 
Yeah, it was kind of predictable that I knew Jason Statham wasn't going to die in this movie, even after he got two bullets in his chest. Now, one thing I think that kind of sucks is that if your antagonists aren't well written, you can at least make sure that the movie doesn't rip off other movies, because I just really checked out in the third act when I was like, this is literally Heat and Den of Thieves, and it just kind of felt like it was so unoriginal that Guy Ritchie himself didn't know how to write the ending in a different way. I also think another thing that kind of sucks for the movie is that the score doesn't really feel like it's as great at times. Like, yeah, but Besides the really cool violin riffs, it will include a lot of modern songs or just like the most bland and generic like, I don't know, piano riffs in the movie and it just kind of feels like it's very pointlessly added to the movie. I also feel like another thing the movie doesn't do well is flesh out the other cops. Like the only one we really get to know or attach ourselves to is Boy Sweat Steve or whatever his name was in the movie and he's kind of a cool character but other than that every other character in the movie is so underwritten to where I didn't care when they died off. I also think that the movie having such a predictable ending and one that rips off other movies kind of makes this movie feel less in a way but I will say for the most part I did enjoy it when the movie had its mindless action moments or Jason Statham having fun which is why I think I'm gonna give it a 6 out of 10. It's very passable and I don't know if I'll ever see it again but hey I at least had some fun with it. So Saw Spiral. Saw or Spiral or whatever the fuck it's called at this point. I have zero idea. So basically, Saw Spiral is the brand new movie in the Saw franchise, and I guess before I get into this, this is going to be a short podcast, because I don't have a whole lot to say about it, besides this new Saw movie is kind of more of the same, uh, but I guess I'll give some context as to my love for the Saw franchise. Um, I don't really particularly love it, I just kind of tolerate the movies, I would say. Like, when they come out, I'm not throwing a fit over it, right? It's kind of like The Purge. Like, I've seen all of The Purge movies. I know they are extremely horribly made, but I watch them just to see how horribly made they are, basically. They're like my guilty pleasure movies. The Saw movies are kind of that same thing for me a little bit. I know that they are incredibly stupid and not well made, but they entertain me, which is why I get more out of them kind of like The Purge movies. Even though with The Purge, I would say that entertainingly bad aspect has kind of gone down and now the movies are just really bad, the Saw franchises over the course of the years maintain that same, like, it's bad, but entertainingly bad concept. Let me explain here a little bit. So, you know how Saw basically has that formula of, uh, formula of like, Jigsaw captures people that he deems evil, usually these people are like doctors, lawyers, medical people and stuff, and they've done dirty deeds in their life and stuff, and he punishes them with a trap that they can escape, but at the same time, even if they escape that trap, they're probably going to die from bleeding out in a way, or they just suffer the consequences and die by their horrific trap. That's basically the Saw franchise in a nutshell. Oh, and then it turns out that, like, Tobin Bell dies at some point in the series, and there's, like, his next of kin, or, like, I guess next, uh, partner in crime moves up and becomes the next Jigsaw killer and stuff. Basically, the Saw franchise is just a lot of dumb ideas in it, but at the same time, that's kind of why people love it. It's extremely dumb. And that's kind of me with the Saw franchise. It's always been so entertainingly bad to where I like the movies a lot more than most people. I wouldn't say they're all like, I don't know, 6 out of 10s or anything. In fact, I would say the only one I would give like a 7 out of 10 is maybe the first Saw, and then everything else is under a 6. Like, most of the Saw movies, I would say, generally go from like, uh, 3 out of 10 to like a 5 out of 10, because that's just, you know, the entertainingly bad quality of them. So, the Saw franchise as a whole, I just kind of tolerate because it's entertainingly bad. So let's get into Spiral a little bit, because this one is apparently its own, like, little separate timeline, I guess. So, a Saw 10 is still coming out, I guess, and it's gonna be in the same universe as those other movies, 
but Spiral is just like a spinoff that's going to be in the universe involving a new Jigsaw killer. It sounds extremely stupid, I know, but bear with me, because honestly, I feel like it's better than them, like, reviving John Kramer for, like, the 50th time in a row, because I get it, John Kramer does die at some point in the series, but the only reason that he's still around is so they can use his audio, basically, like, be like, oh, well, there were these old trap ideas, and he recorded audio for them and stuff, and that's how they keep him in the franchise, and then Jigsaw was just straight up a prequel for no reason, um, but I would prefer that they rather find a new Jigsaw killer than just keep dragging on poor Tobin Bell to do these movies that obviously he could care less about doing. Now, first off, what I got to say about Spiral is it's more of the same from the Saw franchise. Basically, the plot of it is that Chris Rock is this detective that served under his father, and he was a good cop that reported a cop for doing a dirty deed, and now everybody in the precinct hates him, but then a jigsaw copycat pops up, and it starts killing all of his fellow cops in the precinct, and this jigsaw copycat turns out to only target cops. He doesn't uh, uh, target people that are in, like, the medical field, or lawyers and stuff like that, or people with dirty money, kind of like, obviously, John Kramer did. No, he is only distinctly targeting cops in the precinct. So, one thing that makes this movie super unique right off the bat is that cops are getting killed. We didn't see that. John Kramer never obviously targeted cops in the Saw franchise. So, I think it's kind of interesting here that we get that angle. I think another thing that's rather interesting is that this movie decides to ditch all ties to the other movies, besides obviously John Kramer being the main source of inspiration for the new guy, and just kind of creating its own path. So, starting fresh with new characters that aren't attached to the franchise, obviously putting in somebody like Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson and just making it feel kind of different in a way. Thirdly, it's more comedic than most of the other Saw movies. Like, yeah, the Saw movies would have funny moments in them and stuff, or maybe they would have, like, unironically funny kills and stuff, but this one just straight up does have comedic moments in it because of the intriguing casting of Chris Rock. Also, Chris Rock does a very all-over-the-place job in this movie. Like, he delivers the comedy well, but his emotional acting... Ooh, it's gotta get better. Like, when he has to scream and get angry in this movie, I laughed a bunch. Like, there is a shot in the car that is so badly edited where he's pounding his fists on the steering wheel. I laughed at it. It's just not well done. And also, I feel like anytime he has to deliver something with emotion in it, he just sounds like a really angry Marty the Zebra, and I just can't take it serious. Maybe he should have taken one or two more emotional acting courses before this movie, but I was just laughing more times at his more emotional delivery. Now, that's not to say he doesn't have good moments in the movie with his acting. Like, there are a few scenes where it's like, okay, yeah, I can see how he would work somewhat in this more dramatic role, but just, it felt like that was only only like 40% of the movie and 60% is mostly bad delivery in the emotional department, but it's, you know, 100% funny because it's Chris Rock in the uh, obviously hilarious acting department. But anyways, one thing that I got to say about this movie also is it feels like it's trying its best to basically not just be like, hey, we ran out of trap ideas and we're going to rehash some. Like it tries to put spins on them. Like for example, most of the people wear the headgear from, I believe, the second Saw movie. And everybody in the audience was, like, pointing that out. Like, I could hear people whisper behind me, isn't that from, like, Saw 2? And I was like, yeah, it is. But they had, like, unique little twists onto it and stuff. Like, for example, there's one person that has his tongue caught in a trap, another person that has his fingers caught in a trap, and they can only be torn off if he bites down on these clamps. Uh, another lady gets hot wax poured on her and stuff, and she has to sever her spinal cord. Like, there is a lot of more unique spins on the traps, even if a lot of them feel like copycat traps from the other Saw movies. Another thing, too, that I think was somewhat unique about the movie was the choice 
to kind of give it this more distinctly ugly looking tone. Now, that's not to say that the Saw movies look beautiful or anything. They always are these wash color palettes that just look ugly to look at, but this one was like a lot more yellow for some reason, and I guess that's at least different than some of the other Saw movies. Okay, I'm just grasping at straws here. Let's just get into what this movie does not work well with. Like I said, Chris Rock as the lead is kind of all over the place. But the new Jigsaw killer in the movie, and this is a spoiler, so cover yours if you don't want to hear this, is his partner that I literally said, whispering to myself, Brian sitting next to me, five minutes into the movie, that guy's going to be the new Jigsaw killer because he's the young hotshot detective, and he's also young enough to carry on in this franchise as time goes on. I literally knew who the killer was going to be, and then when it happened, I was just rolling my eyes that they went forward with the choice, but I kind of hate this choice, because the guy that plays the new Jigsaw killer is not a great actor. He does not deliver these lines in an emotional or menacing way in any way, shape, or form. It is so blandly delivered, it sounds like he is bored with the material he is delivering. At least John Kramer kinda had that menacing effect to him. Like, Tobin Bell's voice did sound creepy and like he would hurt you. This guy sounds like he is straight up one of my professors on campus and he is sitting down telling me about how I am failing one of his courses. Literally, that is what it feels like. That is how menacing this guy is. So, I hope going forward he's a much better new Jigsaw, because right now, I really think this guy is laughably bad, and I cannot take him serious as the menacing threat. Also, Samuel L. Jackson just kind of feels somewhat pointless in this movie, and that kind of sucks, because most of the scenes that he's in with Chris Rock, or just like in general scenes where he's on his own he elevates this really bad material. Like, he takes most of the bad material and makes it better through his delivery, but his character is so pointless. Like, the whole underlying dad plot line in the movie is so lazily tacked on, and we barely get any screen time with Samuel L. Jackson, to where it feels like you could have cut him out of the movie, or heck, just put any of the other generic cops in there. Heck, even the lady that runs the precinct, and it would have been a much better effect. Like, Samuel L. Jackson just feels completely pointless in this movie. And again... One of my biggest issues is that it's just copying the same formula as the Saw franchise. Gore, traps, predictable plot points, predictable twists, really bad overacting or just really bad underacting, and a cliffhanger ending. Because yes, this movie ends on a cliffhanger ending that is so dumb I kind of hate it. Now I will admit... If there's one thing they kept constant throughout this movie, it was Chris Rock's character. Because in the movie, Chris Rock's character is a good cop that turned in a dirty cop and everyone hates him for him. And Jigsaw is trying to push his morals to the point of where he turns away from being that good cop that does the right thing to being a dirty cop that now sees the police academy as hypocritical. But... All the way to the end, Chris Rock still does the same, uh, the good thing, and he saves his dad, and he ends up being like, no, I'm not going to turn just simply because the police force might be flawed. I think there are ways that we can obviously reprimand it better than just killing those dirty cops. And I feel like that's kind of the one thing they carried really well, but the ending is dumb. So first off, even after he say, and this is spoilers going ahead, even after he saves Samuel L. Jackson he still should have realized he was never going to let him go. Like, he gives him the option to either kill him or save Samuel L. Jackson, and I was like, dude, don't even save Samuel L. Jackson. He's just going to die because there's going to be some twist to the trap that still kills him. And guess what? I predicted that, and it happened. There was still a twist to the trap that ended up killing Samuel L. Jackson. It's dumb. 
I really hate it. I really hate Chris Rock still went with the noble choice that was in his character because he should have known the trap was still going to kill him. And yes, Samuel L. Jackson does die. But when the entire SWAT team comes in, they notice Chris Rock, but then don't say anything about the new jigsaw getting away. Like he gets away in this elevator that literally is going down, but all the cops are focused on Chris Rock, even as he's screaming no at the new jigsaw getting away. It's stupid. It's entirely dumb. But I get it. It's supposed to end on a cliffhanger because all the other Saw movies did. So Saw Spiral. I've said what I've had to say about this movie in a very quick amount of time. Not great. It's more of the same. But was it so dumb I was entertained? Yes. This movie is still following that same pattern of the other Saw movies to where it was really dumb, but at least I was entertained by it. Thank you guys for listening to this edition of Hayden's Entertainment Hour. I'm going to give the movie a 5 out of 10 just because I was so entertained with how bad it was. Because if it was just straight up bad, 3 out of 10 would have moved on from it and not said a whole lot. But because it's so entertainingly bad, I have to give it that 5 out of 10 because I was entertained. But at the same time, I would not highly recommend you go see this one unless you've seen the other Saw movies. Because to be honest, this one isn't really all that great to stand on its own or even be a movie that I feel like people should go support. Because, in a way, the Saw franchise has kind of passed its prime. It's not really in that early 2000s era it was created for, where you could have, like, these really 2007-ish music video-looking kind of horror movies. Like, we've moved past that, because this movie does look like it's a straight-up music video at times with how badly edited it is. Which, yes, the really bad zoomy editing, like, the sped-up zoomy editing that was in, like, Saw 2, 3, and 4 is back in this movie, because the same director that made that is in this. And let me just say, my goodness, he made makes this movie look ugly it is blandly shot horribly edited and doesn't really have great direction behind it and i know i should have said that in the review but i'm just getting that out of the way now so unless you have seen the saw movies i would not strongly recommend this to you five out of ten that's all i'm gonna say then i saw woman in the window or as it should have been called woman in the rear window because it literally copies the plot of rear window this movie was not great Basically, if you want to know the plot of this movie, it's the same plot as Rear Window. The original Rear Window is a story about Jimmy Stewart, who is a photographer that broke his leg, so he has to constantly watch his neighborhood the entire day, basically spying on his neighbors, and how he does it is with a camera usually. Well, he comes across a conspiracy in which he thinks that his murder or that his neighbor murdered his wife, but he isn't so sure if they did, so he sends people over to investigate, and throughout a majority of the movie, it just makes it look like James Stewart is crazy, until it turns out that he's right, and that the murderer next door knows that he knows and comes over to kill him. James Stewart fights him off he ends up going or he ends up sending the guy to prison and it turns out james stewart is right and everybody lives happily ever after now let's talk about woman in the windows plot amy adams plays an agoraphobic who can't go outside so she spies on her neighbors all day watching them across the street in their windows she comes across a conspiracy in which she sees her neighbor murder his wife and she wants to constantly prove that the person across the street did murder his wife. But everybody thinks she's crazy because she hasn't taken her pills. And it turns into this conspiracy until in the third act, the murderer comes across the street and is like, You're right, Amy Adams. I did murder my spouse. 
even though the little twist on this movie is that it's actually not the spouse, it's the son, and it's the most obvious twist, and I'll get to that in a little bit, and the son is like, I'm gonna murder you, and they end up having to fight each other, but instead of in, uh, but instead of, like, rear window, she doesn't get the guy captured and sent to prison, she pushes him through a skylight, and he falls to his death very comically, and then the end of the movie is literally everybody kissing up to Amy Adams, and on a living happily ever after note. Now, this movie does copy rear window, and if you've never seen it, you probably don't care about what I'm talking about, but there are just so many dumb choices with this movie. Like, for example, the whole agoraphobia thing with Amy Adams, I get it, it's a real thing, and they're trying to portray it in this movie, give it some representation, but then they tack on the fact that she might have problems mentally, and that she might be a bit of a schizophrenic, and I don't know if that's, like, a symptom of agoraphobia, I don't know much about it, but basically, Amy Adams is schizophrenic in this movie for no reason, because the conversations that she keeps having over the phone with the daughter and husband in the movie have never actually happened. They died several years ago, and she's just hallucinating it, and that never gets brought up again outside of that, and they never bring up, like, her imagining other people in the movie, so it feels kind of pointless, why was it here? Why was it in the movie? It doesn't make any sense. Also, Gary Oldman feels like he is phoning in his performance in this movie. Like, he does not care to be there. The son in the movie is also a terrible actor, and you know that he's the twist character literally ten minutes into the movie when he says creepy shit like, I like the feeling of cat's tongues. Yes, that is an actual line in this movie. The kid literally says... I like the feeling of cat's tongues, and I went, you're the murderer of this movie. Also, at the same time, another thing that this movie sucks at is trying to build tension. Like, even when you see the murder happen, and even when people are just popping up in Amy Adams' house, they have the most dry delivery to everything, unlike Rear Window, where, like, the actors would have a menacing, like, grimace to them or something, or at least would say the dialogue in a very fearful way. In this movie, outside of Amy Adams, everybody just seems to not care with the material. Even Wyatt Russell that I thought was going to do a good job with the material in this movie just feels so bored. Probably because he was busy filming Falcon and the Winter Soldier and cared more about that. But just everything about this movie sucks. Like, the cinematography, I might say, is good. I might say the score is okay. I might say the performance of Amy Adams is good. But outside of that, I really don't know what to give this movie compliments for. Predictable twist predictable characters doing predictable things, a carbon copy of Rear Window, borrowing plot points from other movies, making your own movie feel unoriginal, I gotta give this a 4 out of 10, it's just not very good. Now let's move into the last movie, which is Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is the brand new Angelina Jolie action quotations movie that just hit HBO Max in theaters this weekend. So basically, this movie is about Angelina Jolie. She plays like a fire watch person. She basically watches over forests, and like when a fire happens, she radios it in, and of course the fire team comes in to put it out. But she was part of that fire team several years ago, but had a traumatic PTSD moment where all the fire was coming at her, and she couldn't look at it face on, and basically it's kind of implied she was a coward and ran away from it, because she witnessed like a family die in it or something, or like a crewmate, and basically throughout the movie she's kind of always fearful of, you know, facing that fire. Now, one thing about this movie that was kind of interesting is the fact that that's the main plot of the movie, is that she's trying to overcome, like, her PTSD of fire, but then she comes across this kid that is running away from some goons that were hunting down his dad and killed him because his dad was an auditor that found out about some dirty money, and so these two people are trying to kill the kid because he has the information, and so Angelina Jolie and this kid have to bond in the forest while also, you know, running away from this big fire that the agents have set off, and basically, it's kind of a dumb movie. It's very boring because... The main plotline of Angelina Jolie and the kid 
is so underdeveloped, I literally did not care about their journey. Like, they have a few bonding moments, like, where she teaches them about lightning strikes or, like, talks about, like, rivers or about what happens when a forest, like, blows a certain way, and that's fine and good, but then the movie has dumbass moments where the two of them are, like, talking about how they had a significant spouse that they lost or something like that, or how they never really had a mother figure in their life because it's trying to force in, like, a mother-son thing that just does not work, and just, it's not really well-written. And the main antagonists of the movie are constantly supposed to be hunting them down, but the plot line in which the, they run into John Bernthal and his pregnant wife felt more interesting than the main plot line with Angelina Jolie, which is not a good thing, because when I cared more about if John Bernthal and his pregnant wife were going to survive this forest fire versus Angelina Jolie and the kid, yeah, it's not a good sign. Also, the kid feels very pointless in the movie. Like, I don't know if the director knew this. If you don't know how to write a child actor into a movie or write a child into the movie, you don't have to put a kid in the movie. Like, Angelina Jolie could have just come across the guy in the car with the information and taken it from him and promised to deliver it to the police, and then the two Asian guys just track her down the rest of the movie. Having it be a little kid really adds nothing, and in fact, the kid barely talks in the movie, so it's kind of like you forget about him at times. And also, him and Angelina Jolie don't even eat up a majority of the movie's runtime, so it's like, why is this plot line here? Now I get it, she obviously does have to overcome her PTSD of fire and stuff, she has to kill one of the bad guys at the ending for her strong female moment, basically, and while that's all well and good, obviously, I just feel like I was bored with it. It just kind of felt like a movie that came out too late, it felt like something that should have come out in the early 2000s, and it felt like a movie that just was written so quickly with no second draft to the point of where I'm gonna forget this one in T-minus a day, and I'm gonna give it a 4 out of 10, so... Those are my four movies, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, I will be back with Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead and A Quiet Place Part 2 in a collaboration podcast with somebody. Thank you for listening to the solo podcast. I'm going to go take something for my nasally condition right now. See you next time.